Good morning. I tell you what, why don't everybody stand up and stretch? And I want you to drop down and do 41 push-ups. Beth, thank you so much. That was really, really good. Okay, let's get going. As part of worship uh, today, we're uh, going to talk about uh, the consequence of sin uh, and the cross. Uh, but to get into that, um, I was so uh, touched by the children's moment. There's a difference between knowing or knowing uh, about. And uh, the whole idea that we are taught, it's just like we're all in fit camp. Sin means that we're, uh, we're all at the same level. The wage of sin is death. Uh, sin by itself means that uh, we will all die. We were created to live, but uh, sin uh, ruined, uh, ruined everything. But in the, uh, in the priest tell you, uh, uh, in the old days, the judges and the priest, they said, okay, here's, here's 10 commandments. And if you uh, want to experience everything that uh, God has in mind for you, then uh, do, do these 10 push-ups. And uh, we come to a point where we realize uh, you, you cannot do enough push-ups in the, the world. You can't do anything uh, right enough to fix things. And, uh, and so we grow up in the Christian church and we learn verses like John 3.16. And we know, we know it and we know about it, but it's like it becomes such a part of our rote Christianity that it doesn't mean anything anymore. Like John 3.16, for God's love the world, he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And it becomes, uh, it becomes uh, nothing uh, to us. Uh, 12, 11 years ago was the lowest point in my life. And I mean, I was like a walking dead man. And uh, I had to, uh, I was resigning from the ministry and I thought I was done. And uh, a spiritual hero, I didn't really know him at the time, an older man, he came to me and we had coffee and he said, uh, Ash, tell me your story. And I told him just what Beth did for you. And he said, I'm surprised that it's, that it's not worse. He said, I didn't hear anything about adultery or, you know, uh, no moral, you know, devastating. Uh, I'm surprised it's not worse. And he goes, Ash, he says, I am going to hold you accountable uh, to memorizing scripture. And he said, we're going to meet every Monday at 630 and I am going to give you uh, Bible verses. And you are going to memorize that verse. And next Monday, the very first thing is going to be a quiz. And I was absolutely uh, terrified. And he says, and I'll pray about what uh, verses and stuff that we're going to talk about. So he, he says, okay, for next Monday, he says, are you familiar with Proverbs 3? And in my arrogance, I said, Oh, you mean trust in the Lord with all your uh, heart and lean not in your understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight? And he looked at me and he goes, no. <laughs> he said, that's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. He said, I'm talking about Proverbs 3. <laughs> I think it's 31 verses. And I'm telling you, that's the kind of assignment. So I would go and uh, recite memory and it changed my life. All growth comes through pain and suffering, period. 
I'm a different, I'm not married, but I'm a different husband now as a result of all that. And scripture uh, pulled me out of the pit. I'm a different speaker. Uh, I used to do a lot of men's retreats, and I remember uh, when I would stand up in front of a group of men, uh, I'd think things, Lord, help me to be eloquent. Help me to be bold and clear and passionate. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that prayer. Uh, There are thousands of people praying for that for me right now. Uh, But my first thought after memorizing all that scripture and through wading through all that uh, suffering was I look at those men and I assume, I just think, wow, these men are all dying. (laughs) Their marriages are probably all in trouble. And uh, that makes you a different speaker. All growth comes through pain and suffering. If I was God, I would have come uh, to save the world. I would have been a fighter pilot. I would have had a really cool uniform and I'd have worn sunglasses. And by God, I'd have looked like a savior. But God uh, picked a baby. Jesus is the only person in humanity that was born to die. God could have saved the world any way he wanted. And he chose pain and crap and suffering. So uh, don't feel lonely about that. You know what? Uh, the cross becomes like Proverbs 3 or John 3.16. We've heard about it so much uh, that it, it doesn't undo us. And I want to beg you on behalf of Christ, always be undone by the cross. When I was a junior in high school, I guess that would have been 1973, uh, I'm ashamed to tell you my best friend was a dog. She was a, I raised bird dogs. She was a Springer Spaniel, and she was black and white. They're like Cocker Spaniels, but they're uh, black and white. And the reason I raised bird dogs is because hunting was my escape. My stepdad was pretty brutal. And uh, I would come home from school. I would grab that dog and I would go hunting. I'd stay out until dark. I'd come home and eat dinner. There'd be forks clicking. Nobody would talk. And then I would pretend to go do homework. I was just escaping. Well, it was in the winter. And lo and behold, I I got a date to a winter prom. I was dating the preacher's daughter, Beverly. Lord help, Lord help us all. God save me. From, man, it's a miracle that I showed up on my wedding night a virgin, okay? That's Beverly. And I was scared. I was scared because it was a winter prom night, and uh, I, I had uh, the tux and everything, so I grabbed my dog, and we go hunting. We've been hunting a hundred times. We always hunted in the same place, and uh, she was very obedient. And I would whistle, Tammy, and she, wherever she was, she would come and sit at my feet. We're out hunting, and she's working, and we go over this little rise uh, down into this creek bottom, and uh, she you know, disappears for about 30 seconds until I get up there. We'd done that 100 times. I get up to the, the top, and I look, and uh, Tammy is not there. And I'm looking all over the place, Tammy, nothing. 
She, like, vaporized. For two hours, I uh, hunted that uh, river bottom, calling her by name. And because of Tammy's disobedience, Tammy and I were separated forever. Are you undone by your sinfulness? Our disobedience means that we are all separated from God forever and that we will all die. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned. We are all in fit camp. We can't measure up. And we fall short of the glory of God. And then the most awful verse in the Bible is Romans 6.23. For the wage of sin is death. The reason we should never uh, not be undone by the cross is that, my friends, we are in desperate, desperate need of a Savior because of our disobedience. So, to really understand the cross, you have to understand sin. And uh, Granny, remember, she said she had it right. It's like the very first page is how God created it to be. One page is a story of being naked and not ashamed. It's a, a story of walking with God in the garden and talking. And then sin and death enter into the world. And I don't understand it. I don't get it. But the Bible says that uh, from that day forth, the wage of sin was death. In Romans uh, 5, it says that all of us inherited sin from Adam and Eve. And so none of us have ever seen God we talked about last night how God became a man. Jesus is God. But somehow, God stayed involved on the third page of the Bible. And remember, this is what it took him to fix it. So what did he do? Well, to really understand the cross, we have to take a stop at Exodus chapter 12. The story is Moses, They've, uh, they're in slavery. It's like the, the God's chosen people, they are like cocooned, like inside that snake. Uh, there's nothing they can get out. They have no knife. That's what sin is. They have no knife. And so uh, Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is going to be the first month of the year for you. It's like, hey, uh, here is something new. This is a new provision. Speak to the congregation of Israel and saying on the 10th of this month, each household is to take a lamb for themselves. According to their father's households, a lamb for each household. Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. And you, sh you shall keep it and you shall kill it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two 
doorpost of the lintel of the house in which they eat. So each house, they had like a little lamb. And uh, it, be, it was, the, uh, it, it was a, a ritual that was going to be celebrated. Uh, it's still celebrated today. Each household took a perfect lamb and they lifted up its neck and they cut its throat. And the children would even uh, uh, help. They would hold a bowl and they would collect the blood's lamb in the bowl. And then they took a hyssop plant. Uh, that was talked about earlier. And it was like a paintbrush. And they would dip the, uh, the paintbrush, the hyssop in the blood, and then they would paint the doorpost of the house. That's what they were supposed to do. Now you shall... Uh, For I will go... Now you shall eat it in this manner with your loins girded, ready to run, sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hands, and you shall eat it in haste, because it is the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and beasts, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. And the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses when you, uh, where you live. And when I see the blood... I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now this day will be a memorial to you, and you shall celebrate it and feast to the Lord throughout your generations, and you are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. So God is saying, paint the blood on the doorpost of your heart and go in. And because nobody has ever seen God, like in the Prince of Egypt, it was like a fog. Just the presence of God came to town. And a holy God and sinful man cannot come together because the wage of sin is death. Remember the story of the Ark of the Covenant uh, that represented the presence of God and they were having a big parade in Uzzah and Ohio where they reached out and touched the Ark even by accident. Like if I threw a football at your face and you went like this, uh, it doesn't matter when you touched the presence of God, you died because the wage of sin is death. So God came through town. What an unbelievable st story that only the firstborn died. The holiness of God, who should have died in that town? Everybody. It was fit camp and nobody could do enough push-ups. And so the drill sergeant was coming and he was going to take names and kill everybody. But he said, just the firstborn. Now, this is the part I really want you to get. God comes through town. And he says, when I see the blood, it will be a sign. What was God looking for? He was looking for the blood. And the idea is if you were inside a house that had the blood... Death passed over you. Did it matter if you were an Egyptian in a house? No. Did it matter if you uh, were a Jew but weren't a, very, uh, weren't a very good Jew? No. 
Uh, was God looking to whether or not you were Catholic or Protestant? Was he looking for whether you were baptized as a baby or as an adult? Whether you got dunked or sprinkled or did a three and a half off of a high dive? Was God uh, looking for whether or not you were Buddhist or Hindu? Or uh, whether you were Republican or Democrat? No. God was looking for one thing. The blood of the Lamb. And he still is. That's all he's looking for. Everything else is push-ups. So you know the story. God's plague went through that town. And Moses led the people out of slavery. They crossed the Red Sea. Every year, it's just like our Thanksgiving, Moses and the people of Israel, they did the feast of the Passover. Exodus 12. And hundreds of Passovers later, every year, year after year, hundreds and hundreds through prophets and priests and kings and judges. You come to John 1, 29. The next day, John the Baptist, he saw Jesus coming to him. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is your personal Passover lamb. How uh, did your Passover lamb die? Well, they did not lift up his neck and slit his throat. They hung him on a tree. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scorched him. First thing they did to your Passover lamb was they stripped him probably completely naked and they tied him to a flogging pole. I've seen them. They're like this tall, like a little telephone pole. They tied the prisoner around uh, and then they, uh, scourging was 39 lashes. Do you all know that these Roman executioners, these Roman soldiers who whipped your Passover lamb, they were professionally trained that an execution was 40 lashes. And if you whacked somebody 40 times and they didn't die, you would get in big, big trouble. Your Passover lamb took 39 lashes on your behalf. And of course, you know, he went through the trials. He carried your cross, crown of thorns, and then they uh, hung him on a tree. They probably put the six-inch nails through his wrist right there. Uh, if they put it in the hand, it would just tear out. Sometimes they would put little wooden plugs through there if they put it through the hand to keep him on the tree. And then one foot over the other. Death by crucifixion is death by suffocation. Sometimes they would hang there for days. And your feet hurt, and so you rest on your hands. 
your hands hurt, and you go up on, on your feet. But if any of you during free time today would go out and hold your hands up like this, after just a few minutes, I mean, it is gut-wrenching painful, and you can't breathe. Because your, a diaphragm comes up into your lungs, and you can't de- take a breath. So towards the end, literally, uh, prisoners w- would like leap up and grab a breath and then crash back down, crash up down all day long. And so what they would do to make the death go faster, they would break the legs so that the prisoner could not uh, g- get up and take a breath. Death would become very quick after uh, they broke the legs. They did not do that to your Passover lamb. Your Passover lamb hung on the cross for six hours. From like nine in the morning until three in the afternoon. At three in the afternoon, they were getting ready to uh, get ready for something. Now, it was the feast of the Passover. And there were preparations. Do you all realize that when your Passover lamb died and breathed his last breath, that it was the feast of the Passover day? Thousands and thousands of little lambs were being slaughtered all over Jerusalem. And the children were painting the door with the hyssop plants. Your Passover lamb, the ultimate Passover lamb, died on that same day. I just want to read you one more thing. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things had been accomplished in order that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I am thirsty. And a jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine upon a branch of hyssop. And they brought it up to his mouth. And when Jesus therefore received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. What was finished? The consequence of sin is death. And that death, that consequence was taken care of by three words. It is finished. Do you live life as if it isn't finished? A God can't love you any more than he does. It's like you can't do enough push-ups. Do you, can you uh, be undone by the idea that your Passover lamb paid the price for your sin? And now you can really, really live. You can live forever. When you become a Christian, you are symbolically painting the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of your heart. And when God looks down at you, he chooses not to see the sin. He chooses to see the blood of Jesus on the doorpost of your heart. Does that mean there's not going to be pain and suffering anymore? Yes, it does. Uh, But not yet.
We have got to go through a lot of pain and suffering, a lot of junk, before we take our last breath and uh, to our life say, it is finished. A lot of corporations ask me to come and speak, and they pay big money, and I always say no because uh, the show stops when I say, hey, I'll come and tell your company about selling more widgets than they've ever sold, and uh, they'll be fired up. They'll go sell more widgets than they've ever sold, but I won't come unless I can talk about Jesus. And I never speak anywhere without talking about the cross. And I want you to be undone by it. And here's how my granny did it. Well, I told it to you. The amazing love story. I tried not to add anything to it. Tried not to take anything away. Now, boys... What on earth will you do with it? And then she said, It is finished. We all jumped too. I went to the prom that night. I had a terrible time. I called and called came a point though I had to make a decision do I keep looking for this dog or do I go and treat this lady like the princess that she is and I did make the right decision I went went with the lady <laughs> I had a white crushed velvet tux my hair was down on my shoulders I had John Lennon sunglasses I had heels that were unbelievable picture of my 1971 a pickup truck, hug her orange with a white cap. And uh, her dress, hoop dress, like filled the entire cab. Like I could barely see out the window. <laughs> three in the tree, three in the tree. Well, we went there, and uh, I was so wiped out from losing this dog. So finally, about an hour into it, she whispers in my ear. She goes, hey, I think you need to go look for that dog. And I said, really? And she goes, yes. So in my white crushed velvet tux, at the winter prom, I went and got in my truck and I headed through the snow to go keep looking for my dog, Tammy. Now, before I left the field that day, I uh, took off my hunting coat and I laid it on the ground. I'll never forget this as long as I live. The lights go across this snow field and they're asleep on the coat is my dog, Tammy. The act of me taking my coat off and laying it on the ground is the act that allows, allowed Tammy and I to come back into relationship again. And the act of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for your sins and uh, screaming out, it is finished, is the act, it is the work that allows God and men have to come back together. One last verse, 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For God is on one side, and man is on the other. And Jesus Christ himself, man, became the mediator that allows us to come together. That's what the cross is. 
And I hope that uh, we'll always be undone by it. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you how you uh, scream of your glory in so many ways uh, through nature, through children's moments, through songs, through best life story. Uh, Lord, you are really something. And uh, Lord, we love you. And we give our life to you. We ask forgiveness for our sins. And that we thank you for Jesus who came to take away the sins of the world. Thank you, Lamb of God. Amen. You're welcome.